Hello. Hello. I'm Justin. I'm Allison. And this is episode nine of Robots on Typewriters. Yeah. As we've been doing for every odd number episode for the last one week, (laughs) we have a special guest this week. Yeah, we do. This week joining us is my friend Anand. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty well. Cool. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, my my pleasure. Yeah, it's so nice to have you on, Anand. Yeah, you know, we've we've never done a podcast together before, so it's really cool, you know, first time. Yeah, true. Longtime followers of the network will know that we are telling the truth. (laughs) (laughs) We normally start this show off, uh, Anand, I'm not going to blame you for not being familiar with our two bits here, but we have two segments of this show. The first one, which we named via a random name generator, (laughs) is the Zesty Hat. And our zesty hat is normally some kind of piece of news or something notable that only just caught our eye in the past couple of weeks. So this week, we are asking if you have any kind of zesty hat, any kind of news from the world of robots and artificial intelligence that you would like to share with us. Uh, Yeah, I do, in fact. Um, This is, like, relatively recent. I think it's, like, past couple of weeks. But um, it's sort of been going on for, like, the past year. You know, in the quest to, like, just get better AI, people are trying to master all these games, right? So there's, like, chess, of course. Checkers was done a while ago, and then chess, and now recently Go and things like that. So it looks mm-hmm. like people have moved on to video games. And in particular, one of my favorite video games, which is Dota 2, which... Um, Nerd. If you're... <laughs> I mean, since the guy who still plays Def Jam Vendetta, so... (laughs) I've been exposed. (laughs) Didn't you have a Zelda poster in your room in college? I think you did. Have one in my room in college. Still have three in my room in in life now. Yeah, okay, but I'm the nerd. Yeah, just just checking. (laughs) Uh, Wow. No, No, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, Where was I? Oh, yeah, so... This, like, company, OpenAI, made by, among others, like, Elon Musk and Sam Altman, who's, like, one of the people at Y Combinator, um, they've started, like, trying to create bots that can play Dota 2 well. And, like, that's, you know, a huge challenge because, like, as complicated as chess and even Go are, especially Go are, I think Dota 2 is definitely much more complex. Not saying it's like harder necessarily for humans to be good at it, but it is like objectively more complex. It's just so much more continuous and there's so much more freedom and choice in the games. Like there's 115 different heroes and like a huge amount of items. There's all sorts of strategic decisions to make with regards to like vision and ward and macro strategy and micro strategy that go into the game yeah and when you say continuous you you mean both in terms of like it's not turn-based like both parties can act at the same time but also like there's not a discrete uh thing that defines like a a motion or an action you can take in dota like it's pretty pretty widely open-ended yeah exactly so that's that's exactly what i mean it's not turn-based it's everything happening simultaneously and like you said the motion is like you know very continuous i'm sure it's discrete at some tiny level but certainly nothing that we can perceive and i mean it is also frame based i think it's 30 frames per second but to humans that's essentially continuous Mm -hmm. so it's a definitely more complex game than either of those just in terms of the amount of data a computer would need to process to really understand them and like a year ago i think like last august OpenAI released a bot that 
could play 1v1 against um, another human. So this game's normally played 5 versus 5. So 1v1 is a huge simplification, of course. But it's still really interesting that the bot was basically able to beat all the best players in the world one-on-one, just like one-on-one in one of the lanes. And there's, you know, additional restrictions, like with regards to items, and they only had one hero versus the same exact hero. And, you know, there's 115 different heroes. So huge, huge simplifications, but it's still really impressive that it was able to defeat the best humans in the world. And the interesting thing is it was completely an unsupervised learning model. So they didn't have, like, humans telling it what's good and what's bad. It just learned by itself, playing itself, you know, millions or thousands or however many times, and developed its own strategies. And it was using all kinds of human tactics, like it would fake attacking, it would fake using certain spells to fake out humans it was playing against. And it was interesting because there are some mechanics that the developers of OpenAI didn't know about within the game, but the bot was able to learn it and play around those mechanics and use them really well, just learning completely on its own. So that was pretty neat, but I think a lot of people kind of felt like, all right, it's one-on-one, and like the AI mainly got by by having amazing mechanical skill. Like it was really good at last hitting the non-player controlled units that spawn, which is a big part of the game in one-on-one, just getting gold advantage by being the one to last hit these units. So it was really good at that, but that was like, you know, it's a mechanical skill. It's not really a strategy so much. Yeah, people criticize Watson, the Jeopardy bot, for the same sort of thing, that the thing that it was really better at than the likes of Ken Jennings, the uh, biggest Jeopardy streak winner of all time, was just hitting the button faster than him or having a reaction time. So I can definitely see uh, that mechanical skill being maybe what's better right now yeah exactly and you know that's i think that's kind of against the whole spirit of ai it's like yeah obviously they're better mechanically than us but the the idea is can they like think smarter than us or more creatively than us and like i think people weren't convinced by this one-on-one thought because it's like all right it's just it's it's just mechanically better than humans as it should be and it is neat that it's able to learn on its own but it's like not really that impressive but then what they did like last week or two weeks ago is they've been working on a five on five bot so it's again they have like pretty dramatic restrictions like they only limit it to five heroes so their team of bots uses five heroes like five particular characters in the game and the other team uses those same five characters and they've picked like some of the more most simple characters in the games in terms of spells and strategies and they've also like they don't play with wards they don't play with certain items they don't play with invisibility they don't play with all these mechanics that make the game a lot more complex but it's still you know a huge step up from 1v1 and their bot is able to beat like semi-pro teams that actually practice together so they haven't played against like the top teams but they've played against like teams in the 90 to 99th percentile of skill and they're able to beat those teams like pretty consistently and they have a couple big tests coming up right like they're going to be at the international in august to face like the, the top top pros yeah, so there's the big, um, the big like Dota event every year. It's called the International, where all the all the top, absolute top players in the world go. Yeah, they're gonna have it test run against some of the teams there. So we'll see how that goes. The interesting thing I think is, so whereas the one on one bot won through like mechanics, like last hitting and things like that, the five on five apparently has like fairly mediocre mechanics. One of the professionals who like commentated the game said like, yeah, it's like median average at last hitting the bots. 
it was, it's really the macro strategy that they were really good at. So they got good at like baiting the other team into making poor decisions. They had a really good understanding of like when to farm, which is like, you know, killing um, non-player controlled units to get extra gold for items and when to use their items, how to chain their spells together. They're really good at working together and moving around the map and taking advantage of the vision of the enemy team to farm safely and things like that. So that's really interesting. Yeah, so they're having they're going to do a, a Twitch stream on July 28th. So for once we're actually getting out ahead of some news here. <laughs> so if you're listening to this before July 28th and you want to see what the OpenAI 5 can do in a 5v5 match of Dota, even if you're not a Dota watcher, they'll have, you know, a, a professional commentator there kind of running through what's going on and where OpenAI is doing well. So you can check that out on Twitch. Um you're probably also wondering like is this company just like trying to win at Dota? Like, what's the point here? But I think OpenAI, um, they're trying to develop all these kind of the self-learning AI stuff and the the meta-learning, the just letting a, an AI go and figure out what it can and can't do on its own. Um, that's it's kind of a more general course of learning that they're trying to basically do field research on right now and develop for. Who knows what it will be applied to, but developed for just general use outside of uh, Dota. Similar to how Watson was built to play Jeopardy, but now he's like a chef and a doctor and whatnot. <laughs> uh, I think OpenAI has similar long-term ambitions of while mm -hmm. these skills will be built to win at Dota long-term, they might come in handy in some other domains that might be hard to predict right now. Right. And another, another big priority for OpenAI is the whole like, you know, friendly AI thing, like all the AI doomsday things, like the people yeah. funding it are big proponents of like the existential threat that super AI poses. So another big thing they really want to do is just make sure that like research into how to make sure the AI is friendly and mm. actually helping humans, which I don't know, that's, it is what it is, I guess. But that's a big priority of theirs too. <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully we'll be living in a world that is ethically controlled by the decisions made by Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. We can all <laughs> only hope. Well, luckily, Peter Thiel, I don't think Peter Thiel is involved. Thank God. Uh, that's <laughs> where you're wrong. He is one of the six major sponsors of OpenAI. Is he really? Yep, it's Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, Reid Hoffman, Jessica Livingston, Elon, and Peter Thiel. Uh, that's a well, lot of Y Combinator people, plus uh, Reid Hoffman's Peter the LinkedIn Thiel. guy. You all know LinkedIn and... Peter Thiel is uh Peter Thiel. <laughs> yeah, he is the alt right. Did I say that? He's a he, he's a rich PayPal guy. <laughs> cool. Um well that's yeah, that is that's really interesting. And maybe I will tune into that stream because I'm my interest is peaked. Yeah, if you check out openai.com, they have uh, a blog they run kind of about they try to simplified a bit of explaining at least the philosophy behind what's going on there about self-learning kind of stuff mm. so yeah you can if you're interested uh both you allison or you the <laughs> listener openai.com has all sorts of uh info documenting their progress and documenting uh kind of the ideas behind the ai that they're building cool well with that zesty hat yeah, that was a thank you so much for that very zesty hat, Anand. Um, yeah, sure. It's a hat zesty enough to eat. 
(laughs) (laughs) And now I am going to take us on into our next segment, which is our trashy toy, where we play a game that is in some way computer-assisted or utilizing computer-generated content. And... This week, since we've got on and with us, I'm gonna we're, we're we're gonna go back to back to our roots, back to basics, and we're just gonna do a good old botnik written trivia game that yes. I can, I'm gonna host for you guys. And Anan and Justin, you are gonna compete against each other for the zesty trophy. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, so I yeah I've written you guys a bunch of questions that delve very deep into some sports trivia because i know that you guys are sports fans but really nobody's a bigger sports fan than me it's true (laughs) i i've written some trivia questions that i think they're really gonna stump you guys because man i've gone really deep real deep on these so they're all multiple choice and they are written with a botnik keyboard using um the jeopardy text source that we've used in the past and a collection of sports trivia questions that i just found online from various sources so uh, i think the way we're gonna do this is i'm just gonna you you guys can just both I'll read the question and the and the the answer options and you guys can just tell me which one you you think is correct and then I'm going to use a random number generator 1 through 4 to decide which one is actually the correct answer. All right, beautiful. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right. So question number 1. What sport used snowboarding and cruelty to become the most American sport in the 1980s? <laughs> A. Cricket. B. Boxing. C. Australian boxing. Or D. Rugby. <laughs> These are four very American sports. Boxing does have some cruelty, but so does Australian boxing. (laughs) Even more so, one might think. I forget which one of the two uses a snowboard. Mm, Yeah, that's the kicker here. I'm going to have to go with Australian boxing here. I'm going to go with cricket. And I'm sorry, but neither of you are correct. The correct (laughs) answer was regular boxing. Ah, that's the one with the snowboard. I never can (laughs) keep the two straight. It's really tricky. You'd think that the Australians really go just wild with all with that kind of thing but no it's actually regular boxing they introduced snowboards into the sport in the 80s and it just kind of took off and it was really pretty brutal but it was it was it was in fact the most american sport yeah mike tyson was king and he was just shredding up the the slopes or whatever snowboarders say (laughs) all right so you guys are zero to zero from question one so here we go on to question two. In 1948, the Michigan Rock Ladies did baseball great in which country? A. Egypt. B. Indiana. C. Dallas. Or D. Portland. Ooh. Gonna have to go with the city state of Dallas. Oh, man. Another tricky question because you have to remember where Michigan is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,. The Michigan Rock Ladies did travel a lot. Apparently. 
And this was like in the 40s, so I guess it was like yeah, World War II took away all of the professional men baseball players. Oh, 48. So yes, World War II definitely still happening. <laughs> yeah. As far as as far as baseball players were concerned, they were still kind of tied up in 1948. Everybody else was kind of they were done, but <laughs> baseball players were still kicking as in World War II. <laughs> they had not gotten any notification that war was over. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Dallas on this one. I don't think it's you know I think I don't think it's very close. It has to be. I'm Dallas, gonna go right? with Egypt. I think that one's a country. Anand, you are correct. It was <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> you didn't know that in 1948, Dallas was a city state. Oh uh, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, don't tread on me, or we'll secede or something. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And yeah, so that 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 was um. Yeah, that was that fateful year for the Michigan Rock Ladies, and this this question comes from that um, that famous quote from the commentator on the radio after they won the game, and he was just like, "Those ladies sure did baseball great." <laughs> I knew I recognized the phrasing from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I thought that would tip you off, but Anand is in the lead, one to zero. On to question nice. three. <laughs> Who was the first Wimbledon player to win the NBA Coach of the Year? <laughs> A. Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. B. Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. C. Dunk Marino. <laughs> or D. <laughs> or D. Donald Jim Brown. Ooh. I heard Donald Jim. I thought I'd go really differently on that last one, but. <laughs> <laughs> I I think Dunk Marino was the inventor of the slam dunk, so that name definitely <laughs> stands out to me. But I'm not sure if he participated in Wimbledon. I know well, Michael Jackson did. Gotta, I think I've got to go with Dunk Marino, or Dank Marino, as the kids called him. <laughs> Dank Dunk, <laughs> as they said back yeah. in the 1970s. I mean, to quote, to quote Kendrick Lamar, he just wins again and wins again like Wimbledon he served, you know? So. I, yeah, that line was about one of these guys. It was I can't about remember Dunk. which one, though. I think it was about Michael Jackson. Okay, that's fair, but I'm pretty sure it's done. We'll see. Both very, very good answers, but wrong. The answer was Donald Jim Brown. <laughs> Classic Donald Jim Brown. I think the reason that one's so tricky is because he was the he was the first to do it, but mm-hmm. Dunk Marino was the most famous one who right. was he, he was the most famous Wimbledon uh, player who also won NBA Coach of the Year. Yeah, you're, you must be and right. And of course, so. Donald Jim Brown, better known by his nickname DJ Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, better I known by his that, nickname yeah. DB Cooper. <laughs> All these historical questions are throwing me. I can't wait for a more modern sports question. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how lucky you're gonna get on that. I think this is. It's a lot of sports. Tri- it's a, a lot of sports history on this one. That's that's mm. kind of my specialty, you know. Yeah. Um. We do call you the historian of sports on this show. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been called that since birth. Wow. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it's birth. on my birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a real pain um, growing up with that name. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Number four. Chris Wilkins won the gold medal in spiritual horse lessons at which Olympics? 1967, 2009, 1993, or 1929? Oh, man. Normally, I keep track of what years were Olympic years because they're even numbers, but now I'm not sure at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> this was autumn Olympics, right? That's why it's an odd yeah. year. It's not summer yeah, yeah, or winter. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. This was the autumn Olympics. And those, so, you know, in the, the winter Olympics, you got your snow sports. In the summer Olympics, you got your real sports. <laughs> wow. Hot shots take. Fired. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and in autumn, you have your more like introspective mental sports. You're like you kind of you grapple with the more esoteric uh, ideas, and yeah, that's why spiritual horse lessons are like one of the big. What's that's like uh-huh. prime time. Mm-hmm. What do they yeah, do in the, the spring Olympics? Olympics? I wonder. Uh, that's esports. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> Open AI's, you know, gonna be ten times gold medalist. <laughs> Next spring. Exactly. Peter Thiel working on adding a gold medal to his resume. <laughs> Billionaire, <laughs> philanthropist, and star athlete, apparently. That was my favorite <laughs> Iron Man quote. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just about time for the Summer of Love. I think it was 67. I know that was a couple of summers before the Summer of Love, and it was in the spring, but I think I think hippie music was in the air. I was going to say 67 as well. All right, we can say the same answer. Yeah, you can say the same answer, but you're both wrong. Oh, dang. Because <laughs> it was in 1993. Uh, I guess it was, you know, just before our lifetime, kind of off our radar. Yeah, for me, anything that happened before I was born may as well have happened 40 years earlier. Yeah, yeah, well, mm-hmm. it didn't. <laughs> Rip. Yeah, come to think of it, I don't think they even had spiritual horse lessons in the Olympics until the 80s. Yeah, it, there were a lot of discoveries made about horses in in mm-hmm. that time, and yeah, about the spiritual capacity of horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and how much they're willing to learn if you just if, the, if you just listen. Number five, Boris Clay gained his first football in 2015 for which sacred event? <laughs> A. Royal Summer. B. Italian bike racing. C. Coldest week, or D, Saint Sam time. <laughs> I think this is like so many classic Jeopardy questions before, and the hint is right in the question that sacred week. It's got to be Saint Sam time. That's when you get your mm. first football. <laughs> That's when I got my first football, anyway. Yeah, I mean, me mm. too. I never got my first football. I just got a. Oh, There's still no, time. No, I just got a mouse because I was training for spring to, uh, right. you know. Then they give you a pet mouse. <laughs> yeah, basically. You're familiar. Oh, well, I want to say royal summer. I just like royalty. I don't know. Is that your, are you answering it's royal summer? I am indeed. Anand, you would be correct. It was royal <laughs> summer in 2015. That's when that, that famous young boy named Boris Clay got his first football and never <laughs> put it down. At just when I thought I had it with a modern question, I'm just getting trounced yeah. in these deep in the weeds sports questions. Anand is confidently in the lead with two to zero. So on to number six. In 2001, what basketball team was dubbed Boy George Gone Mad <laughs> when their regular goaltender did the magic hoop play? Is that A, the Milwaukee used B, the Chicago Bones, C, the Yorkshire Centuries, or D, the Augusta Selected Committee. <laughs> this was, of course, in the street league where they do have goaltenders for basketball. Normally in the NBA, yeah. that stuff's frowned upon. But 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's either the the Milwaukee used, the Chicago Bones, the Yorkshire Terriers or something like that. The Yorkshire Centuries. Your, Yorkshire <laughs> Centuries and the Augusta Selected Committee. Yeah. I think this was, so they were Boy George Gone Mad. They were a, a mm-hmm. musical group. And I think the one that's uh, the most musical sounding to me there is the Milwaukee used. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be Yorkshire, you know, like these damn, damn foreigners just don't know how to play basketball without goaltending. <laughs> and without doing the magic hoop play. Anand, you would be correct again. <laughs> ah, Anand's classic anti-foreigner bias, getting him points. Of course. <laughs> yeah, Anand, you are, you are correct. It was the Yorkshire centuries who have been around for decades. <laughs> The magic hoop play. Yeah. Could you explain for the listening audience what the magic hoop play is in basketball, Allison? Me? Yeah. So the magic hoop play is, it's really, it's it's kind of controversial because, you know, if, you, if you're going to win, you want it to be based on your natural abilities. But, like, what do you do when one of your players was just born with magic powers? Like, that is technically their, their natural ability. So... It's when someone who was born with some magic power kind of, you know, takes the ball <laughs> and, and you know how basketball works. Like, you take the ball. And <laughs> That's normally the first step, yeah. <laughs> That's all. You just you, take the ball. <laughs> yeah. And, but no, so that, so that you, you know, you use your little, your little magic powers and you kind of project it through the air into the hoop and it kind of like swirls around and around the rim for a while and then it finally goes in and and it's very controversial because you know you don't want to fault someone for being born with magic powers and just being naturally good at basketball but not everybody has those magic powers so and normally the coach has to yell ain't no rules saying (laughs) telepaths can't play basketball i was actually just gonna say that but (laughs) i wasn't gonna say telepaths but it sounds a lot like quidditch honestly i feel like that's why it's controversial yeah, yeah, it is. Classic English it's... team winning that one when it's Quidditch of course, style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember like uh, you know, someone was trying to like levitate the ball through the hoop, and someone's like, "It's Leviosa, not Leviosa, or whatever." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. In um, in the states, you usually see uh, plays that are a little bit more similar to quad pot. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that's. Point three for Anand. Three, three nothing on me right now. Three to nothing. Um, and on to question seven. American buddies Rory Joe and approachable John Adams played what sport for their troops in a Barcelona? A. Two minutes. <laughs> Was in- that just your accent coming out in a Barcelona? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I studied abroad in Spain. Um, <laughs> I really found myself there. <laughs> A. Two minutes in Georgia. B. I don't think you're allowed B. to play that one in the army. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Um, B. Clock baseball. <laughs> C. Stadium golf. Or D. Bath bike racing. Hmm. Well, I think this is uh, kind of a shout out to our first question of the night where it's you know, the the storied history of baseball in the military. So I think this is clock baseball, which was, of <laughs> course, more popular in Spain than traditional baseball. 
I think I think the problem with clock baseball is worry Joe is just way too worried about like getting hit by a clock or a baseball. There's too much risk going on. I feel like that's true. I don't know. I just feel like he's more of a stadium golf kind of guy. And approachable John Adams is just, you know, he's he's so approachable, he's not going to say no, you know. So I feel like it has to be stadium golf. So what do you see so you guys going with, Justin, you're saying clock baseball, and Anand, you're saying stadium golf? Yep. yep. I'm sorry, you're both wrong. It was two minutes in Georgia. <laughs> don't ask, oh, don't man, tell. Oh, man, they hadn't banned it in the army yet? No, no. So much has changed, you know. Where I feel like We were, were a more we're accepting going... culture back then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At least in Barcelona. Well, not the Barcelona, but, you know, one of them. A, yeah, a Barcelona. In, uh, a Barcelona, yeah. All right, number eight. Rebecca, overconfident phenomenon Lee, successfully <laughs> earned an octopus named Hannah for winning which game? A, strike goals. B, fish BMX. C, golf caddies underwater. Or D, everybody runs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last one there is just like a Wii Sports like running game. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, good. She was really good at it. Uh, it was in the was Spring she? Olympics for. Wait, she was actually well, really good at all of these, but she only earned an octopus for one of them. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Classic overconfident phenomenon. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. So I'm tempted to say one of the middle two options there, uh, mostly because they both involve like the sea or like underwater stuff. So it was the middle two was like fish BMX or something mm-hmm. and underwater golf caddies. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with fish BMX. All right. On and in your answer. I feel like it has to be strike goals. I mean, she's just so overconfident that she just thinks she can get a strike or a goal every time. It's true. That's they call it soccer, baseball in the states. I was thinking of and bowling sometimes too. You know, yeah, soccer, bowling, baseball. It's just such a versatile sport that only someone really overconfident could, you know, think they're actually good at it. I don't know. Justin, you have taken home your first point for the night. It was yes. fish BMX. I feel like I've seen that clip of her uh, not only completing her sick uh, bike kickflip over a, a mackerel but then someone mm-hmm. tossing the octopus like right into the spokes of the bike yeah yeah that was that's kind of a famous moment in sports history because everybody was like waiting with bated breath to see if the octopus is okay and as soon as it kind of died down the octopus just lifted up a hand and was like i'm good <laughs> hannah overconfidently or rebecca overconfidently was a uh, overconfident phenomenon lee was <laughs> actually mangled in that accident but the octopus yeah. was fine yeah, yeah. Nobody really liked her, so people were. I mean, do you have to be a fish, or like, how does this work? No, you you do like Justin said. You kind of you ride with and around fish, and you have to dodge them. And the more fish casualties you make, the you know that that's how you get your penalties. Yeah, most people just like bike around an aquarium, but overconfident phenomenon, you know, tried to jump the Atlantic Ocean, and it didn't go so well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sounds. Sounds breathtaking. It was. You should yeah, watch, we, you should I, I highly video. suggest you go look that one up on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm ashamed I didn't know about this seminal event in sporting history. Number nine. What trophy has a peach tree in a gold hoop on the carpet? <laughs> you know that part of the trophy that's the, you know, the carpet. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I just, not everybody knows that terminology, so I just wanted to clarify. Um, A. The first gold board, 
B. Britain's Hats. C. The Virgin Cricket Trophy. Or D. The Antiquities of Albania. Now, I think the peach tree and golden hoop are kind of symbolic of the origins of basketball, which, as you know, they shot the ball (laughs) into a peach basket rather than a, a traditional net. So I don't think it's any of those European trophies. What was the first trophy called? The first gold board. Yeah, the first gold board, like a backboard. I think it's that one. Anand? Uh, I'm going to go with the Albanian one. I'm sorry both of you are incorrect. It was Britain's hats. <sighs> oh. Of course, the peach basket was often also a, a British hat, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think the reason that that one, that one always trips people up is because... I think, Justin, you were on the right track because you would think that the first gold board is the one with the peach tree and the... And the um, and the gold hoop, but that's actually the one that's just like a precarious stack of hats. Oh, and okay. the Britain's hats one is the peach tree one, mm. so that's why it's okay. confusing. Yeah, they're colloquially known by each other's names, but their official yeah. names are their their own. Yeah, exactly. All right. On to question ten. Everybody in the Galapagos Islands did umpiring for which team? <laughs> A. The Orlando Geography team. B. The Worcester Archery Team, C, the Detroit Ground Polo Team, or D, the Company Basketball Team. <laughs> <laughs> and this is on the Galapagos Islands, correct? Yes. I I just can't imagine travel was great there. I, I don't see them going all the way to Detroit, Worcester, or whatever the first place you need, Orlando. Well, I mean, did they go there? Or did the teams go to the Galapagos, you know? So, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was that it was that year when um, everybody in the, the Galapagos Island census was required to travel to somewhere <laughs> to umpire for every game of one of these team sports. Right. Could What sport did all of these teams play, or did they all play different sports? They all play different sports. So the first one is a geography team. Right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I sport understand. sport of geography, yeah. Um, second one, the Worcester archery team. Okay, the third, yeah. I the guess Detroit I get team was for ground polo. And the fourth was the company basketball team. They played <laughs> right. hockey. Okay, yeah. Um, and company is just like a, a location in Canada, right? It's like company Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like oh. the, the work rec league. No, no. I mean, it was it was the um, rec league for a company in Company Ontario, but okay. Oh, okay. Mm, I think I'm gonna have to go with Detroit. I have to go with the geography team. I think that's what Galapagosians would best know. Probably Justin, right. you are correct. Oh, the Orlando dude. geography team is, yes. in fact, the right answer. <laughs> oh, I'm pulling in close now. Three to two. Yeah, so we are three to two as we go into question eleven. Who won a horse at the 1904 coin toss championship? Was that the grand prize? Yeah, yeah. Nice. A, Arthur Conan Doyle. B, <laughs> Frank Sherlock Holmes. C, Jan. Or D, Cassius Clay. <laughs> Wait, what was option C again? Jan. You know Jan? Oh, oh Jan. Yeah. Oh, okay, Jan. Yeah. I think she later played for the company basketball team. She did, oh, yeah. That one? Yeah, that, yeah, that Jan. Jan. Yeah, Jan oh. from Billing. Oh, okay. Jan from Billing, Ontario. Not Jan from HR. 
I'm going to have to say, uh, I think it came down to a final dramatic coin toss between Arthur Conan Doyle and his creation, Frank Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and I think it ended up going to, you know, student beating master and Frank Sherlock Holmes took it home. I think Cassius Clay, you know, floated like a butterfly, stung like a bee right to victory on this one. <laughs> Justin, you are correct again, oh, tying up the yes. game three to three. It was Frank Sherlock Holmes, and you are exactly right about that very climactic ending when it came down to um, monster and creator. Well, no, Frank Sherlock Holmes was the name of the doctor. Sherlock Holmes was the monster. Sherlock Holmes is my mother. <laughs> Tied up and going on to question number 12. Dolphins do real well in which sport? <laughs> A. Stale ball. B. D- double snowboarding. C. Only coach hockey. Or D. Croquet. I'm trying to remember if double snowboarding is aka water skiing, and I think it is. So I think that's what dolphins are good at. Well, I've heard dolphins are smart, so maybe they're good at only coaching hockey you know they can't like skate so they can't actually play hockey but when it comes to only coaching they're really smart do you think they coach from beneath the ice like they freeze a layer of ice and then the dolphins coach from right below the playing surface is it it field hockey or ice hockey that's the question it's ice hockey yeah okay yeah maybe i don't know maybe maybe you're right it would really help your coaching ability if you could just like be right under the players and be like you know (laughs) pass to this guy he's open so what are your final answers? I'm going with only coaching hockey. I'm going to go with double snowboarding. Anand, you are pulling out in the lead once again. Oh, no. It was hey. only coach hockey. You were exactly right. In only coach hockey, are there players at all? or? No, it's 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 an all-coach league, but also coached by dolphins and, and played by dolphins. All right. Okay. I understand. Larry Bird works in publishing now. (laughs) Uh, How the mighty have fallen. (laughs) And reformed what first book for the author? A. Black Holes in Sports. B. The Second City Limit. Uh, C. Swimmer Hornets. Or D. History of Larry Bird. (laughs) So there's a couple here that he would have some expertise in. Um, particularly history of Larry Bird. But I think Larry Bird went into publishing like pretty much right after he retired, like in the early 90s. And that's when they were writing a lot of books about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. So I think this was Second City Limit. Hmm. I think he might have done the Black Holes one to try to talk shit about, uh, what's his name? Kevin McHale or something. I don't know. Sounds like something he would do. an offensive black hole. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's what sounds like something Larry would do. It is very petty. Justin, you are correct. He oh, helped rewrite the Second City Limits for the author. The author was the name of the guy that wrote that book. Yeah, he was very secretive. Nice. So we're all tied up going Tying into the final the question. Again, so we have two more questions. We have, oh. well, we have one more regular question and then a, a final question. So we'll see what happens here. Hopefully we both get this one wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What sports team got its name because its owners wanted Mike Tyson to see the first televised game? A. The Philadelphia Endorsements. B. The Beijing Insects. C. The Liverpool Helmets. Or D. 
the Lithuania City Hawks. Wait, was it Beijing incest or Beijing insect? <laughs> Insects. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, the, in, right. the Beijing in, incest, that's a different kind of sport. <laughs> that's, that's a different I game. Was, you know, I don't want to say anything, but... I mean, maybe Mike Tyson would have, you know, seen that name Tuned and been in, like, okay, yeah. I have to see whatever this is on TV. <laughs> hmm. So I think this is actually referring to Mike Tyson's love of pigeons, a.k.a. City Hawks. So I think this is the... What city was it? Lithuania. Oh uh, yeah, the city of Lithuania. Lithuania City Hawks, and it was it was a pigeon themed team. I mean, he was a boxer, you know. Like they got a lot of head injuries, so I got to go with the helmets on this one. Anand, you are correct. This has been a tight game. You are now uh, you are now five to four. Coming into the last question, if you tie it up, I don't have a plan. So <laughs> all right, perfect. <laughs> So, so this this question is going to be a little bit different. The way this is going to work, it's going to be open-ended. So I'm going to ask you the question, and then I know the right answer. But whoever gets closest to the pin gets the point. Closest to the pin conceptually, I mean. It's not a number. <laughs> oh. Question, are you guys ready? Of course. Yes. Wait, was that the question? Right. No. All right. <laughs> oh. Everybody talks about this young boy from Georgia who won the World Cup in Georgia, not on a team. So, you might remember this very famous incident when a young boy from Georgia got up from the stands during the World Cup game that was in fact hosted in Georgia and ran down on the field and just dominated and took over and won it all by himself, beat both playing teams. Do you remember the name of this young boy and who it was? Oh, to man. clarify, is this the Republic of Georgia or the state of Georgia? The state. Okay. I thought so. So <laughs> it wasn't even the World Cup of Soccer. No, it was. Oh, okay. Oh, in Georgia. Okay. The yeah. world capital of soccer. Yeah. I think this is a throwback to a previous question. This was Honest John Adams. Nope, Approachable John Adams. <laughs> All right. I think it was, your answer. I think it was overconfident Lisa, you know, the best young boy of them all. And I mean, there's a reason she's overconfident because she did it all by herself back in Georgia, the greatest stage in football history. While that might be true, I believe Justin is closest to the pin because the answer is Mark Antony. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and Fair that enough. ties up the game. And now I don't know what to do. What should we do for a tiebreaker, boys? How about try to make a question that is a year and we'll do closest to the correct year. Okay, I've got I've got our final question if you guys are ready. All right, let's do this thing. So the tiebreaker is going to be the answer is going to be a year and whoever is closest to the pin wins the game forever. Um All right, forever. All right, well. So here's the here's the yeah, forever. So here's the question. Season five of The Most Magic Minutes, the Oscar winner about smart cowboys in sports, was in which year? Man. So I think this show originally debuted in like uh, 1910, like it was a radio program, but they slowly put out like a season, a decade for like a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think this season didn't come out until 1963. I think they they started off doing a season a decade, but then like because of the Great Depression and World War, they just had to speed it up to make sure people had something you know to look forward to. 
um, just to keep morale up in the country. So I think it was mm. 1942, actually. All right, so give me those years one more time. Well, Anand, you said 1942, Justin. What was yours? 1967. Anand, you are correct. And Justin, you were on the right track to begin with when you said it started as a radio program in 1910 because, in fact, it won the Oscar in 1877. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, damn. But Anand was closest to the pin. So, Anand, you take home the gold for the game forever. The gold board? You take home the forever gold. The I've yeah, always, you, you know, <laughs> I've always dreamed of winning this award, you know, since I was a kid, and this means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah, I'm so glad to be able to give you this opportunity. Thank you, young man. Thanks for playing the game. Yeah, Justin, yeah sure. I'm sorry. I can't believe I'm the first uh, Robots on Typewriters host to lose a game show after you came <laughs> oh so close to losing one just two weeks ago. Oh, Well, man. you know, nothing personnel, kid. <sighs> Sneaks up behind you, holding the golden hat or whatever. Takes at your knees. <laughs> well, I I think I fought an admirable fight, but I was up against uh, just too strong of a competitor here. And of course, the one week we talk about sports, which is normally my area of expertise, I have the two most sports knowledgeable people I know joining me yeah. on the podcast. You know, give yourself some credit. You almost did come back from a 3-0 lead, so... Yeah, I mean, never forget. <laughs> Indeed. Don't let this distract you from the fact that Anand almost blew a 3-1 lead. But... 3-0 lead, in fact, but also yeah, 3-1 I mean, lead, I guess. All 3-0 leads become 3-1 leads <laughs> eventually. That's not true at all. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Robots on Typewriters. It was a real pleasure hearing from you and having you yeah. on one of this yeah, network's thanks. podcasts once again, Anand. It was a good time. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, Anand, I know you're not a big social media guy, but just on the off chance something's changed since we last spoke, do you have, do you have any like social think, media handles that I don't you think want Anand to even has a Facebook anymore? So I do, I do have a Facebook, actually. Oh shit! But uh, but you don't need nothing. You want to plug? Um, yeah, if you want to follow my Twitter, it's um, I believe it's at TBNL Podcast. Um, <laughs> rude <laughs> I, I think wow. so uh, yeah Bruce. you know just uh follow me you know i'm gonna be coming out with content regularly um posting updates <laughs> oh all the God. time <laughs> none of this is remotely true <laughs> especially <laughs> the regular so content on tbnl <laughs> Well, TBNL should have like one back from the dead tweet that says like yo true. go follow bat camp now Yo, fuck on and <laughs> <laughs> We should just give him the reins and like whatever on and wants to tweet there. Yeah, you want that Twitter account? You got it. But that being said, um if you want to contact us, you can email us at robots at batcamp.org. You can follow us on Twitter at robot typewriter. You can find us on Facebook, we're robots on typewriters, or you can um you can follow me on Twitter if you want. I'm at Allison Perone with three R's in the middle of Perone. We live on a website called Batcamp and um we have this podcast and another one up there as of now and hopefully some cool stuff to come. That is batcamp.org and you can follow Batcamp on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Those handles are all at Batcamp site and uh, our theme song is video challenge by Anamanaguchi
Why don't you play us out, Allison, with one last yeah. sports fact? I know you've been dying to give us more sports information here. Yeah, so let's I'll play out with one of, one of my favorite sports facts, which is each year, cricket matches generally make the dictionary longer. Huh. Really? Makes you think. There's this big fly that has just been living in my room for the past two days, and I haven't done anything about it. And he's so big, and he's crying. he just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> Stop <laughs> praying decided... for him; he's too powerful. Get like go away. You, he usually just like leaves me alone, but now he's like sitting next to me. Just go. So thank you. All right. Um, I could just kill it, but. <laughs>